Well, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sarah, would you mind pulling me down just a little bit? Because I'm going to get loud here in a second. I don't want to burst out any eardrums. Feeling the Holy Spirit come on. Got a little heat flush going on. We got the fans blowing. Who knows what might show up, right? Anybody up for liturgical dance today? Anyone? Here we go. Okay, so here we are. We're all in this thing together. We've got the Word of God, and for the remainder of the year, we are going to study the book of Acts. Okay? Uh, all the way up until Advent, we are going to basically go verse by verse as much as possible, what we can get through in services, because we're going to expand services to four hours. <laughs> see, okay, see, done and said. <laughs> yeah, visitors are going, we are so out of here. <laughs> Never coming back to this place. No, so we're going to work through the book of Acts. Why? Because Winning Monument, we have an understanding to be like the first century church. I'm not saying we're going to look exactly like them, but we want to study what are the things that happened by the gifting of the Holy Spirit with God's will being done and Jesus having prepped the way. Because you heard these words, right? Luke starts this out to Theophilus, whom he's writing the letter. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. You see, sometimes as Christians, we have this idea that God was somehow done in Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins, the assurance of eternal life and salvation, absolutely done at the cross. That part, over. There, there's nothing left to do there. But what Jesus came to do was not just offer eternal life. He came that our lives today may be different and that the lives of the people around us would be different. Jesus came so that those that were blind had sight, those that were lame could walk, those with broken relationships, those relationships could be restored. He came that you might have life and life abundantly. I'm not saying that you will have riches in, in terms of the way that the world views them. I am saying that God has intended that you would have life and life abundantly in Him. That just as much as the lame who could not walk, so we too have emotional, emotional scars and difficulties and challenges. And Jesus came to heal those too. Jesus came to set us free from depression and guilt and shame. And Jesus came to set us free from the sin that so easily entangles us. Jesus came to do and to teach. The problem is, is we Christians think, well, that's all Jesus' job. <laughs> you know, if he'd show up every morning, I'm there faithfully with my Bible open, a cup of coffee, watching the sunrise. It's been beautiful. Because then the clouds come in in the afternoon. But hey, you know, if that's how God chooses to bless us right now, we'll, we'll praise him for that. But you know, if he'd just sit at my table with me, I would learn so much more. If Jesus was just right there, I wouldn't have to try to figure out what Scripture's talking about. I wouldn't have to read through it. I wouldn't have to try to read a commentary. If Jesus would just show up. How many of you are ready for Jesus to just show up? Okay, now that's a setup question because you do realize <laughs> that when Jesus does show up, it's over. 
That's not a bad thought, is it? Is it? It's not a bad thought. No more pain. No more tears. No more shame. No sin. No looking over your shoulder. No wondering if what your spouse said was meant in anger or as a barb. The day Jesus comes back. heaven heaven a day when all nations will stream to one place a day when every tribe and tongue will confess Jesus as Lord where there will be no male no female no Jew no Greek where there will be no separation where there will be tongues uh, of flame or, or people speaking in all kinds of languages and everyone will call each other brother and sister in Christ where there will be genuine love care and concern where you will not be surprised to see who's in heaven not because of the great things that they have done, but because you know how great God is. Of course he's restored someone who has fallen away. Of course he brought to faith the person that was without knowledge of God their entire life. Of course heaven has rejoiced at the one sinner that repents. Ah, heaven. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. And friends, that's what changes the whole thing. That is what makes everything here in this earth bearable. But God doesn't want us to just bear through it. He wants us to live, to live righteously, to live gloriously, to enjoy the benefits of everything that he has given to us. And shame on us if we are keeping it to ourselves. Jesus tells them in verse 8, you will, be, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You have your outline, your structure for the book of Acts in that command. The first eight chapters are going to be about the disciples learning what it means to be witnesses of Jesus in their hometown, Jerusalem. The next seven chapters through chapter 15 are going to be them going to Judea and Samaria, the surrounding places around Jerusalem. And then the last 15 or so books of uh, chapters of Acts are going to show us what it looks like when the disciples go to all the known world to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I know many of you know me as, uh, for these last eight years. You know that you've heard me preach over and over. Pastor Dyer, you're always telling us to try to share with somebody, talk with somebody, give the word out to somebody else. I mean, when are we going to take care of ourselves? Now, many of you may not say that. Are you taken care of by the grace of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ? Just amen? Okay, good. That part's done. Now we can move on. <laughs> no, and here's the point. What I want to describe for you is who the lost is. 
I want to describe for you who the ends of the earth are. You see, there are people sitting in these rows with you that struggle with depression. Who at times in their life have contemplated a a handful of pills or a gun to their head. You're seated with people that, that have been married and they just can't, can't figure out how to be gracious or forgiving any more days. And they just they think their marriage is over. You're seated with people that are struggling um, with recovering from cancer. Why me, some say. Why should I now be healthy when I've got friends that are still dying? And you're seated with people that have not spoken to children in decades. You're seated with people that have been in prison. Done their time. You're seated with brand new Christians. You're seated with some some old, old, old (laughs) Christians. that are some of the most faithful prayer warriors I've ever met. You're seated with red and yellow, black and white, brothers and sisters in Christ. You're seated with those who want desperately to know what love is. I've spent years in a bed with somebody new every night trying to figure it out. You're seated with the frozen chosen. That's how we describe Lutherans from up north. And Lutherans from the deep south, from the east and the west coast, and everywhere in between. But there is one thing that we have in common, and that is we are all in need of Jesus. Yesterday I got to do a wedding, and I got to tell you, I, I think it was the closest picture I've ever seen to heaven, the groom is black, the bride is white, and the friends and family that came did not sit on the bride and groom's side. We were in a place about this big, and it was about this full. It's the biggest wedding I've ever seen. Black and white, multiracial marriages, kids, sounds, just people excited to celebrate with this couple that were getting married and there weren't any issues that we could tell. (laughs) 
if you know, what happens at a wedding is I, is I have the couple up front in the, in the wedding party, and then I come down. And so I talk to them, I make them turn around so that they can see everyone that has come to the wedding. And I'm, and I'm talking and I'm preaching to them. And you can see that they're looking out. And I ask the grandmas, oh, isn't this a beautiful, beautiful wedding couple? And those grandmas are, yes, and they're wiping tears, right? And I say, is your grandson perfect? No. <laughs> is your granddaughter perfect? Yes, she is. Right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the approach. And, and different weddings are different ways. I'm just kind of making it up here for you. Sometimes I get yeses. Sometimes I get noes. It doesn't matter what the answer is because we all know what. As perfect as this couple looks, they're not perfect. And then I ask the people behind them, are you going to pray for this couple? Are you going to lift up holy hands in prayer? Are you going to be there literally behind them? Because you're not just here for free cake and booze. <laughs> and I get them to say these words. I will lift up holy hands in prayer every day by the grace of God. Do you understand that that's what heaven is going to look like? That it does not matter the color of our skin, or the voice, or where we are from, but that voices unanimously are going to say, we will do this, and that is the call here in Acts, that it does not matter if you are from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the ends of the earth. I don't care if you grew up east coast, west coast, south, or north, or midwest. I don't care if you're a naturalized citizen or born in the holiest state in all the Union of Colorado. We have all been called to witness. Can I get a witness? Right? I mean, that's how you feel. You know this is where it's going. It's who is willing to stand up in the lives that God has given to you to be able to proclaim in one voice, Jesus Christ is Lord. And that may be by your hands and feet. It may be by the words that you proclaim. But I will guarantee you this. You cannot sit idle. You have been called to be witnesses. Now, don't be like the disciples. There goes Jesus, and they're just caught looking at the air. There he went. I know he's coming back someday, but they're just looking. I love it. The two angels come by and go, what are you guys looking up in the air for? you got a job to do. <laughs> it's the same call today. Don't be caught looking up in the air waiting for Jesus to come. Matthew chapter 25, he describes in parables, hey, I'm coming back and I'm giving you resources and I'm going to hold you accountable for the resources that you've given. Don't be like the miserly one that buried it and did not receive double for it, but use the skills, the gifts, the abilities that you have to bring honor and glory to God. We have been called to be witnesses and it does not matter your job, your vocation, or where you find yourself. It does not matter how old you are, young you are, how much energy you think you used to have or you actually have. You have been called to be a witness. And we share this calling with the early disciples. We share this calling. There is no way you are out of it. You are called to be an accurate witness 
to the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. And that starts with the people that you are sitting next to in our congregation. It starts with the people you live next to in your neighborhoods. I know stories of you being brave enough to just share just a moment across a fence. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to share my faith. Here it goes. All of a sudden. And then who gets the blessing? You do. One of our members decided, I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to do it. I'm going to share the faith. And the lady just stood there with a smile on her face. That's nice. And she thought, I'm getting nowhere with this. This lady's not responding to me. Just share the faith. Share the faith. Share the faith. All of she said, yes, we know this wonderful story. My husband and I have been missionaries for all of our lives. <laughs> It's such a wonderful story, the missionary said. I hope you keep sharing. Even missionaries, even pastors, need to be encouraged by hearing the stories. So that's why it starts with us, folks. And who knows, who knows to the far ends of the earth where God will take you to be his witnesses. And I pray God's blessing upon that endeavor to his honor, to his glory, until he returns to take us all home. Amen.